Well, good to see everybody. Welcome today. Uh, if you're here with us for the very first time, uh, we want to hear from you. We want to know who uh, you are. So feel free to stop by afterwards and say hi here at the front. Um, we would love to, to meet you. Good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are all well. Um, as you all know, we're in the middle of a series that we kicked off uh, just two weeks ago. Um, and so if you are, were not here on that first day or you didn't get a chance to see it online, uh, we are in a series called Prepared to Build. And uh, it's something that we're really excited about. In week one, we talked about the fact that there was only one foundation. And, and what this series is, is about is it's about us being the church, what God says the church should be, right? So we want to be not what we think we should be, not what culture tells us we should be, uh, but we want to be what God says uh, a church should be. So we said that there was only one foundation. We said that we cannot uh, build without commitment uh, and contribution, which is why we ask for your prayers. We ask for your presence. We ask that during this series that you be here with us and, and praying and looking to see what it is, how God would have you be a part of what he's doing at this church. And we ask for your participation. And then thirdly, we said that uh, to be careful how we build. And so we want to build on that firm foundation, right? We want to build uh, very uh, prayerfully, um, which we're going to hear about today. Um, so we want to build in that uh, firm foundation. Be careful how we build. And then we said that you are the key to the church being prepared. You individually, not your family, not your spouse. not You individually as a person are the key to us being prepared. And then in week two, last week, Pastor Sharon came and I asked her to talk to you about obedience to the foundation, obedience to the foundation. And she reminded us that obedience is freeing and, and, and a great message. And she, she demonstrated, she said that not only is it freeing, but it demonstrates our love for God and that, uh, that we're obedient and that obedience leads to life. And so this week and next week, um, we're going to wrap up part one. So this week, uh, end of next week, we'll wrap up part one. We're still talking about the foundation. But this week and next week, we're going to be talking about prayer. And so as we talk about prayer, I just want you to be praying <laughs> as, as we talk about prayer. What is it that God is saying? What is it that he's doing? Let our ears be ready and our minds be in tune to what he is doing. Right? There's a lot of things that I want to do, and there's a lot of things our, our, our leaders, our, our, the other elders would want to do. But we also, we also know that what we ultimately should do is what God says that we should do. And so we're praying, and we ask that you're praying along with us. So let's, uh, we're going to jump right in, and uh, we'll open up in prayer. Prayer is going to be the, the name today. All right. Father, thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love, Lord. Thank you, God, for how uh, loving you are to your family, Lord. We pray, Father, over today. I pray for every person that's here today, Lord, that um, who came in, Lord, and maybe they barely made it in, Lord, and they're struggling today, Lord. Would you just... Would you just uh, wrap your arms around them and allow them, Lord, to hear what it is that you have for them, Lord? I pray, Father, for those, Lord, um, of us, Lord, who um, are, are here, Lord, and we're just thinking about what does this all mean, Lord? I pray, Father, that you would cement it for them, Lord, um, not by my words, but through your word, and that your word, Lord, would would just uh, fill them, Lord, and help them uh, during this time, Lord. I pray, Father, that you go before us today, as you already have, Lord, 
We've already been worshiping. We've, we've, we've been worshiping, Lord, when we woke up this morning. We were worshiping when we walked in. We, we worshiped through song, and we just talked about worshiping through giving, and now we're going to worship through the Word of God. So God, go before me, Lord, and do what only divinity can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there was a man who had a sprinkler system installed in his lawn. And after a few years, the sprinkler system stopped working. He called a serviceman over, and the serviceman came, and he tinkered around for an hour and turning things on and turning things off. And when he finally finished, about an hour later, he said, this is the problem. Uh, There's this wire that connects your timer to the main system, and it looks like it's been disconnected. His, His lawn was supposed to be automatically watered by the sprinkler system on set days and set times. Now, the timer didn't work, so the sprinkler didn't have water for the lawn. If you were to drive by his house, you would notice that his lawn went from being green to being a little brown. The longer the sprinkler system was inoperative, the browner the lawn got. The problem wasn't that the sprinkler system wasn't working. The problem wasn't even that he did not have water. The problem was there was a disconnect between the system and the timer. It just wouldn't turn on because that wire was broken. Some churches, some Christians have lives that are getting brown. Some of them have lost their greenness. This church is called Abundant Life, and, and some of us, and some of them do not have abundant life anymore. It's not because there's a water problem, because Jesus says in his word that he gives us a well that will spring up into eternal life. It's not because there's a power problem, because he gives us the Holy Spirit, whose job it is to power the pump and get the well working. The problem is the wire that connects your will to his will has been disconnected. So there's no flow of water. And churches and Christians are living lives that are turning brown instead of staying green. That wire that connects your will to his will and connects my will to his will is called prayer. And if there's a connection problem with prayer then we'll find that our lives are getting brown. We're in week three of four, as I said, part one of our series, talking about the foundation of the church. This week and next, um, we'll talk about prayer. Today, I want us to take just a brisk walk through the book of Acts. Now, for those of you, how many of you walk every day? All right, about half of us. All right, so you know the difference between a regular walk and a brisk walk right? A regular walk, you get to stop and you stop by your neighbors and you see, oh, wow, they, they've got some new succulents in and those are really nice. And you, uh, you keep on walking away and you're waving to everybody. My, my kids always tease me that you're talking to everybody. And uh, so you're waving to people and you're just sort of taking that regular walk as you go along, right? I have a neighbor uh, across the street named Tom and Kathy and Tom and Kathy walk two times a day, three times in the summer. Check this out. They're 81 and 83 years old. So as you know, I can't let the retirees on my block 
go better than I can, so I, I don't take walks anymore. I take either brisk walks or I, I jog or I try to run or something. Because they're 81 and 83, right? But we're going to take a brisk walk, which means we're going to see some of the same things as we go through the book of Acts. So as you, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Acts. We're going to go through the book of Acts, and uh, we're going to go for a brisk walk. So we're, we're going to see the same things, but... Uh, as you know, with a brisk walk, your breathing's not normal. You're not smiling as much, especially when you start jogging, all right? So let's go ahead and look. Look with me at Acts chapter 1. We're going to do, the first thing I want you to see is in Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 14. Because we're going to look at so many passages today throughout Acts, I'm not going to read them all. Um, but I am going to summarize it, and you'll see exactly where I'm at, and I'll tell you where I'm at so you can follow along. Amen? Amen. All right, so the first thing I want you to see is in Acts chapter 1, and verses 1 through 14, the Apostle Paul writes to Theopolis. Now, this is his second book to Theopolis, right? We know that his, uh, the first book was Luke uh, that he addresses to him. So here's Jesus. He's just spent 40 days with the apostles he had chosen, and he taught them about the kingdom of God. Right? And when he left, he said, I want you to stay in Jerusalem for the gift that the Father promised. Right? So he gives him command, listen, I want you to stay here in Jerusalem. There's something that's about to happen. John baptized with water, but in a few days, what? You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So what did they do? The Bible reads that they went back to Jerusalem, went upstairs to the place they were staying. I'm in verse 13. And it says that they all joined together constantly in prayer. So here we are waiting for the Holy Spirit, praying while they wait to fulfill why God fulfills his promise. That's a lesson for us today. What I appreciate about this verse is sometimes God tells us something. He gives us a vision or he gives us some type of impression in our minds of something for our church or something for our family. And when he does that, a lot of times we're like, oh, I can't wait for that to happen. Can't wait for that to happen. And, and we're just sitting waiting and waiting and waiting. But while we wait, the apostles show us that we ought to be praying while we wait, even if God has already promised it. Some of you know something for your particular life where you're like, I know this is God's going to do this. He's confirmed it through other people. Uh, I've, I've been praying about it. I've, gotten, I've been praying with other folks about it, and I know that this is something that he's going to do. Um, and you know it, but you're just waiting. But he doesn't call us to just wait. We need to be praying while we're waiting, right? There's an old song back in um, a long time ago that says, uh, until my change comes, here's what I'll do. Renew my faith, keep uh, going on. You know, I'll wait on you. And, and you're praying while you're waiting. And then in chapter 2, and again, I'm going to give you a storyline, but we're going to go briskly. In chapter 2, they receive the Holy Spirit. So he says that they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit. Everyone is hearing one another in their own native tongue. Uh, but are able to understand. You remember that? That's significant. We won't get in that today, but in a few weeks um, we will. But in verse 33, he says, what you hear now, all these languages and all these tongues and what you see, this is the promise that I told you about. So in verse 36, it says, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Savior. Right? So the people hear this, they're pricked in their hearts by what they heard, and they say to the apostles, what must we do? Some translation says, what shall we do? 
right? Peter stands up and answers, and he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off and all of those who God has called. So it reads that about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's the part I want you to see. That's the context. Now, what do I want, to use, what do I want you to see? As a result, turn, go to verse 42. We're in chapter 4. I mean, chapter 2, rather. Go to verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And to prayer. Right? We need to be devoted to praying. It's our lifeline. It, it's, it's a change agent, if you will. You, you want to see change in the body? You want to see change in your own personal life? You want to see those changes come? You have to devote time to prayer. There has to be time where you're spending, you, you, set, you set aside time, not only with people, because let's be honest, there, we've been, many of us have been in prayer meetings where the, the person praying, it's not really about God. It's about being seen or being heard. So we need to be praying about in our, in our alone, by yourself, and then also with other people. Right? And when we're praying with other people, it ought to be about what it is that God is saying, what it is that he's doing, what we're sensing. What, that's, the, that's the great thing about being in a prayer room with others. But when you get in your own prayer closet and you begin to cry out to God, praying, you ought to be praying his word back to him. One of the things I love to do um, and that I was taught early is to pray his, my, uh, God's word back to him. Um, I, uh, one of our... Um, elders, when uh, Elder Rocky, uh, we served in uh, prayer ministry together, and I'll, I'll be sharing a little bit about that um, later on. But one of the things that we would do is he, he uh, invited me. One time we went fishing, and we're out on a little, little tiny boat in the middle of the lake, and we're eating and um, fishing. We hadn't caught anything. I'm belly aching. And um, he, Elder Rocky said, let's, let's, um, let's just pray God's word back to him. Right. And I'm young in my faith, and um, so I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. So he went, and then I went, and I'm like, yeah, though you have not seen him, you love him, even though you haven't seen him now, you believe in him. And, and then he went, and then I went, and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Then he went, and then after a while, I was just saying amen, right? I'm young in my faith, and if you know anything about Elder Rocky, he is all about God's word, and he's all about prayer, um, and he really uh, strongly, and so I learned from him, and he taught me about how, what that's like, what you should be doing, praying God's word back to him, right? And so at that time, right, I, like I said, I was just like, he kept going and going. I was like, amen, amen, all right, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but now I've learned it over time. Right? And over the years, I've learned it. And so let's just pray God's word back to him. Now, as we think about this devoting time, I want, the, I want to link this chapter, chapter 2, to chapter 6 really quick. So very quickly, turn to chapter 6. And if you have your phone, that ought to be a little bit easier. So turn to chapter 6. Um, I'm going to lay it out for you, but we're going to be reading verse, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. It says that the Hellenistic Jews... Uh, specifically, the widows were being overlooked, right, in the distribution of food. So there's the, 
Hellenistic Jews, um, they're being overlooked. And so the 12 gathered together, all the apostles together, and said, listen, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So let us choose seven people. Now listen, seven, is that's not a magic number, um, but they chose seven not just any seven, but they said those with two qualities, those who are known to be full of the Spirit and those with wisdom, right? This is, again, where in order for the body to function and move freely, and we need every ligament moving, praying, uh, present, and participating. We need this in order to be fully functional. So they recognized the need for others in the body to do some of the work while they devoted themselves to the Word of God in prayer. I hear that we have those in our men's ministry and in our women's ministry and with our young adults and elsewhere. And we're calling you individually. So let's consider this devotion to prayer. Some of you have really good prayer lives. They can always be better. Some of you are struggling with your prayer life just to even pray every day. Um, God, God is with us and, and, and that will get better. Some of you are not praying at all. And there's no condemnation for that. If you're not praying at all, Begin. Start today. God's not concerned about how you sound when you pray to him. That's what I love about God. I can just come to him and be like, I don't understand what's going on. This is, this is for the dogs. I don't like, you know, this. I can, I can just talk to him any, any, any way, right? Come, come to him and say what I need to say for him. He knows my heart. He'll help me, and he'll begin to work um, in our lives. Right. And listen, it's not just praying randomly either. Right. Yes, we come to him in any way. Just give him God knows and he'll begin to develop that over time. But specifically, pray specifically. There are some core things that every church should be praying for. These are core things that we have uh, that we here in this building should be praying for. Uh, We see some specific prayers happening in chapter eight. So let's go there and take a look. Chapter eight, uh, we get into what I'm passionate about. But more importantly, it's what, in my opinion, what we're here for, and that is to carry out the Great Commission. And we hope that that carrying out results in something. And what we hope it results in is in chapter 8, verse 14. Let me slow down. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. They hear this need. They see that people had just accepted the word of God, so they sent Peter and John. We should be praying for what it looks like to be sent, right? Being sent is not always abroad. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's right here, here at our church, here in our community. We pray about God using you and me and what that looks like for your life and my life to be a part of that, right? Now, sure, there are times that we pray and were sent to other places. In fact, just this week, I was reading a um, report of two of our missionaries. Some of you have been praying for them often. Their, name is, uh, their names are Keith and Tricia Blackford. Um, they're in a place, if I pronounce this right, called Ebesh. Uh, it's in an area of Chad, which I believe is in like Central Africa. Right? And they've been out there for quite a few years. They're two missionaries from, a, from Abundant Life. And sometimes God will do that. Sometimes you're sent abroad. But, we're, but most, a lot of times it's just right here, 
right? So if you remember their names, remember them in your prayers. They have been abroad, I think, for probably 17 years now or something like that. They come back. Occasionally, we'll get to hear from them when they're back in the States, right? So they're doing a great work. They're spreading the gospel out there, raising up leaders and more. So that's, so there's that. But in verse 15 of chapter 8, it says, when Peter and John arrived after being sent to Samaria, when they arrived, what did they do? They prayed for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Because at that time, they had not received, they've only been baptized in the name of Jesus. They had not received the Holy Spirit yet at that point. So then Peter and John placed their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit, and they send them on their way. So what does this tell us? It tells us that one of the things that the church should be praying for is the salvation of souls. So in our prayers, every church should be praying specifically and be focused on salvation. We bring the word and we make ourselves available to do what God would do and to use us, but then God does the saving. Now it says they laid hands on them. So as a side note, I want to point out that sometimes we, we think that and we, and we see it in our culture where uh, someone is laying hands on someone or somebody specifically prays for a specific person and they either get healed or something good happens. And we look at that and we're like, oh, we want to be prayed for by that person. So let's, let, let's remember that it is God's power. It is God that is doing the healing. It is God that is making changes. Anything that you see, that's God. That's God working through a person in the Holy Spirit. But ultimately, that's God. They don't have any special something in them besides what you and I have, which is the Holy Spirit. So what we fail to realize is that God is the one that has the power. So when we pray for someone and they get healed, or when we pray for someone for salvation, and they accept Jesus into their lives, let's remember that that's the Holy Spirit working through us. So let's stop giving people the glory and the honor that belongs to God. Now listen, we're servants we're spirit, with spiritual gifts that are possible only because of God, right? And we know we're going to talk about that. We talked about how this is part one, and in part two, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, and in part three, we're going to talk about serving. The minute that you and I think that we are anything more than one of God's children, his servants, grace-filled people um, who are set apart for his purposes, that's the minute that God will have trouble using you and I when we think that we're more than that. Another thing I love about prayer in general and in the books of Acts is when we pray, things happen. Changes happen. When we pray, God moves. When we pray, we see situations change. You ought to be excited about that because that means that when you get down on your knees, whatever's on your mind today, some of you can barely focus and listen to what I'm saying because there's something hovering in your mind right now, something going on that you're dealing with. I get it. But when you pray, when you pray, and it's in praying consistently, right? We talked about consistency last week. Here it tells us to constantly pray. Just keep praying. God is going to move. He's going to change that situation. And you'd be like, well, I've been praying for years. What are you, what are you talking about? I've, I, I've tried that. That's one thing that he's not sure he is. It just may not be time. I know we don't want to hear that. I, don't, I never want to hear that, that it's not time. I want my prayers answered, but I understand that God will do things in his timing. And when he does it, when he does it, when we don't force it, because we can force it. Have you ever tried to force something to happen? 
Can I, if you won't be honest, I'll be honest. I've, I've tried to force something to happen that I wanted to happen in prayer. You can't do it. You can't do it. He'll turn that thing around. In chapter 9, go there. The Lord calls out to Ananias. Now, for clarity, there's three Ananias. Right? I remember when um, my, my mom tells me the story of when she went to name me. She couldn't figure out what to name. I'm the youngest of six children, and um, she couldn't figure out what to name me. And so she asked her friend. Her friend and her came up with my name today, and then she found out later on that her friend had shared that with other friends, the exact same name, right? <laughs> so there's three Ananias here. They're all different, right? There, there's the one who lied and kept back a portion of the property, and he died. That's not this one. And then there's the one who ordered that Paul be struck down or struck in his mouth in chapter 23 of Acts. That's not that one. All right, so this is Ananias, um, calls out to Ananias in a dream and, uh, and says, go to the house of Judah on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Listen to this verse, verse 13. For he is praying. That, wouldn't God do that? For he is praying. In a vision, he saw a man named Ananias come and lay hands on him. Ananias says his peace, and then he's like, Lord, are you, are you sure? Do you, re do you remember who this cat is? This is the one that's been over there talking about Christians and persecuting. Are you sure you got the right person? And he's sitting there, and he's wondering, God, what are you doing? But God says, go, Ananias. And Ananias says, okay, he goes. So be careful if you have the tendency to sit back and say to yourself, why this person? Why that person? Are you kidding me? They just came in just two years ago. I've been here for, at this job for this long, and you're going to put them as the head of our group, it, it, am I talking to anybody? Have you seen this? And you're wondering why? But that's the thing I love about having a relationship with God. That's one thing I love about walking with God because I don't have to wonder. I don't have to wonder. I can just trust and know that he has my best interest at heart. And that if I don't get it, I don't get it because he didn't want me to have it. So I love that about God. So be careful if you have that tendency. God's will is God's will. And I'm sure there are people who thought Saul, now Paul, um, should have just stayed blinded. <laughs> no sight. But God had other plans. Secondly, you never know when God asked you to do something what his plan was. He asked Ananias to go and do that. And I, Ananias, you know, in our day, we could say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. So if that doesn't make sense, that's probably not God. You better be sure that that's not him. Look who Saul becomes. Look what he does. Look what God does through him. The Lord says to Ananias, go. So he goes. Great things happen by his obedience to listen to God and not his intellect. Excuse me. His, not his own will or what he sees in the flesh. So I thank God we are a church that prays, but, but let's all of us be praying. As I said before, if, you, if you're not praying, if you're right now, you just don't find yourself in prayer, or your prayers simply exist of Lord, bless this food. Amen. 
It's okay. Don't, don't leave here thinking, gosh, what, what's going on with me? Where am I at? That's just where you're at. But start where you're at and just start, begin to talk to God and begin praying. This church is built on prayer. Not only the foundation that Jesus Christ has built, but those who have come in uh, th- this church, we believe in prayer. Um, if you don't know it, we have morning prayer uh, on Mondays and Fridays that you can zoom into. Um, you've heard of If My People, which we're partnering with other churches and communities in that ministry. That's on Wednesdays, um, and you can see all this on the website. You can go, and, they, and they're praying. Um, intercessory prayer happens on First Fridays at our, for our church. First Friday is intercessory prayer. So if you're, if you're an intercessor, if you're, if you're the, uh, a sister heel where you want to come in and um, you just believe and love prayer and that's sort of what God is calling you to do, there's a place for you to go and do that. Every time I come in to preach, uh, I'm sitting back praying with, with others, but across from us is a group of you who are sitting there praying for services every single Sunday. See, you don't see it right? Because it's not about being seen. It's not about you knowing, but now you know if you want to join that, they come early. They're not, they don't come five minutes early. They come about 30 minutes early, maybe, maybe earlier. I'm not sure, but I know at least 30 minutes. And I can hear the Jameses in there, and I can hear the other, the, the other um, brothers and sisters praying for you, praying for this service, praying for this body, praying for your family. It's happening all around you. We have a team of volunteers that pray every Sunday. We have singles who pray on second and fourth Fridays of every month. If you're single and, uh, and, you, and they don't just come on and just pray, they, 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 my understanding is they share as well a little bit before they pray. So you can do that. One of my favorite things to do, and I'll end with this, is uh, we have a, what we call a 40 days of prayer and consecration. And I, my wife always tells me to stop saying never, but I can't remember a time where I have not gone through the 40 days of prayer and consecration in the, in the time that I've been at this church. Why? Because I love what God does through it. Every single year, I can recount times in which he's just blessed, not just me, but those around me. I see the, the church changing. I just... I, there's, there's something about putting side, uh, aside time, right? So f- if you're not familiar with our 40 days of prayer and consecration, I'll quickly share that during those 40 days leading up to Easter, uh, we take something and, and you say that you're going to fast or pray um, and not do something. So you're going to, maybe it's uh, you take away television, maybe it's you take away your phone after a, fir- a certain hour in the day, or maybe it's um, whatever it may be. It may be food. It may be that you don't eat um, breakfast each day for those 40 days or whatever it is that you know that you need. And it, can't, it shouldn't be something simple, right? It should be something that you're like, oh, that doesn't bother me at all because then you're not really sacrificing anything and it defeats the purpose, right? But, uh, but that's the whole idea of it. And it's just 40 days of praying with your brothers and sisters and connecting with other people uh, and then in your own personal prayer closet and just seeing things come out of that. Right? I've, seen, I've seen myself where I've just needed to get into a different place, and those 40 days have, have helped me. I've seen where I've seen our church, right? Because everyone's praying change and uh, people more in tune with what God is doing. So I won't belabor the point, but there's all types of opportunities for you to pray with others 
And then obviously praying by yourself, you can do that. So we must build, brothers and sisters, on prayer. When we don't pray, the enemy of your soul loves it. And I'll end with this. That's why Satan's strategy is to do whatever he can to get you off when you're not praying. It, or, to, or if you're someone who prays to mess up your love life, right, you mess up your love life with your Savior. He'll mess up and interfere in things in your life. First Peter says that uh, he, he goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He wants to knock you. He wants to cause divisions in the church. He wants someone to say something or do something that's going to get folks rattled up and get people separated. That's what he wants to do. But when you start praying, when you start praying, you stir something up. I believe if we will take this to heart, we'll pick up next week in chapter 12. But I believe if you will take this to heart, that God will do something different and do something amazing in your personal life and in this church. But we all have to be involved in it. We all have to be praying. It's very easy to pray selfish prayers. Again, I'll be the first if you don't want to admit it, that we've prayed selfish prayers, things that just are going to change what's going on in your life, your family. And we do need to start there, right? We, we need, our families need to be healthy, and you're, individually, we need to be healthy. And then when we come together, we have a healthy congregation. But I want to petition you. Stand with me, please. In this moment, that if you'll take the extra step this week and be praying about what we're teaching about. We're not just doing this series just to be doing a series. Can you hear him? I just, I, I, I feel God in this presence. Do you, do you feel his presence right now? Let's bow our heads. It's most, the most important thing that we could ever do as a body, family, is pray. It's to pray. I don't want to be overly dramatic about it, but prayer changes things. Prayer gives us the perspective we need. It gives us peace. So let's be praying. Let's connect with other people. Let's make it a daily part of what we do. Father, in the name of Jesus, you are so good. You're an awesome God. You are here in this place, and I feel you moving. Lord, I pray that you would touch every man, 
in this room, wherever their prayer life is, that you would meet them where they are. I pray for every woman in this room, God, that wherever their prayer life is, that you would meet them. Every youth who are learning how to pray, learning the importance of prayer, who are tuning me out right now, God, would you touch their hearts, Lord, that they may understand early in their years the value, the need, and the priority of prayer. God, may we be a body that is pleasing to you because we call on you for everything. May we be a body, God, that as the weeks and the days go by, that we don't look at the church and wonder why this or why that, but we take it to you in prayer and watch you change it right in front of our eyes. God, you are God all by yourself, Lord. And we trust you that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that we would pray your word back to you. And as we wait, we continue to petition you. We would keep knocking. We would keep seeking. And I know we'll find. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.